0: ben roethlisberger and mike tomlin they're in the hall of fame they've had great careers great run and it's over like if you just look if you took the name roethlisberger off the back of the jersey you would objectively say he is a aging speed deficient athletically deficient quarterback that doesn't want to get hit anymore minus three
1: with Dave Damoschek. Ooh, juicy stuff coming up with Mike Tannenbaum. That was just the tip of the iceberg there. Great conversation with him. You see him, of course, on ESPN, and you know him from 33rd Team. And of course, he worked with the Jets for quite a while there, and so we're going to be talking with him as well as Greg Rosenthal, aka the Boss from the Around the NFL podcast. So some NFL free agency talk coming up uh, with the with the Giants making some big moves for uh, for our guy Eddie Spaghetti there. The Jets really having a nice stretch here, as far as I'm concerned. What's going on with the Steelers and bringing back Roethlisberger and Juju? Some mixed uh, some mixed reaction to that. In other words, we're going to be doing a deep dive on our big divisions here, NFC East, AFC East, and uh, and, and NFC North coming up here. Eddie Spaghetti, how are you? Um, we've got – you enjoy March Madness? We, we have a few days off here before it resumes. Nova um, is plus six against Baylor at the time of this recording. I'm sorry, plus six and a half. And Syracuse is plus six against Houston. But we have several days to rest up. Um, and figure things out before we give you our picks on that one. We'll do that with Hench later on in the week, this week, like I say, or this episode, I uh, like I say, we'll be focused in on NFL free agency. What's the poop there, Spaghetti?
2: Yeah, I feel like I should be ultra-invested in March Madness, and it is fun to see these crazy upsets, I know, which you don't love. But really, for me, and we were pushing it, you know, you follow Minus3 uh, on Twitter and you go on Fanta.com slash Minus3, you'll see that we were pushing – Rangers minus one and a half rest of Sabres, and they got it done, uh, you know, last night. And they're four points away from the fourth spot in the Mass Mutual East, which we'll talk about a bit on Spaghetti and Meatballs. But it's it's quite exciting times for me, uh, obviously, too, with the the Giants free agent signing. So I am, I am quite happy as a sports fan.
1: Everything's coming up spaghetti. Good for you. And welcome to you. Welcome to Minus 3, presented as always by FanDuel Sportsbook. Tune in all season long. No matter what that season is, for exclusive offers and odds boosts, FanDuel, more ways to win. And, uh, of course, when you are putting a little something on the game, make sure you do it at FanDuel.com slash minus three. It's the word minus the number three and follow along at minus three pod. We appreciate you doing any and all of those things. And you know what, Spaghetti? You're right, by the way. The best bet going right now before we start talking some pro football. The best bet going is anybody playing the sabers minus one and a half goals we just saw it the rangers did it penguins up next um but we'll uh we'll focus more in on that in a little bit but right now let's get to it um our pal let's uh let's talk about the state of the patriots and beyond with our guy greg rosenthal all right, this is uh this is just terrific. At a at a critical moment here, a uh, potential breaking point for what we knew to be the AFC East and what the AFC East is becoming before our very eyes. <laughs> he's the boss from around the NFL. His team is the boss of the AFC East and has been for the better part of two decades. Of course, he's one half of the dynamite podcast jeselnick rosenthal vanity project and like i say around the nfl make sure you're subscribed there those kids are still plugging away good for them um greg rosenthal <laughs> what's the poop fella <laughs> it is beautiful uh to be with you dave how many people turned you
3: down before you got to me
1: don't be don't, don't be Kansas this
3: this Kansas had to at least have done it
1: I don't know who that is. But um, yeah, we we should check. Look into this Hanses. He sounds good. Um, I see you have your broadcasting jacket on, which is good. You're like Mr. Rogers for for football podcasts. eh, Rosenthal, like you got the You got that. You wear that from what I see um, in the on social media. It seems like you wear that jacket. Nine out of 10 podcasts. No,
3: I would say one out of five. But I think you're right. I've mastered the art of of showering about seven minutes before it's time to turn on the camera and have like five variations of pretty much the exact same outfit.
1: Well, it looks okay. good. Yeah. Listen, you know, you, me and Einstein, we're all like that. We're like, listen, we just need dark clothes that are <laughs> good that go unnoticed. We're we're important men. We don't have time to <laughs> to bother with what we look like. You know, we already look good anything else would be gilding the lily. All right, listen, let's gild the lily. Now, one of the great things, I don't know what that means, but, Um, one of the great things to refer to in any free agency season is Greg Rosenthal's top 100 list there um, 2021 in this volatile market. uh, No exception here. So let's just jump to the end of this novel here. Shall we Rosenthal tell me in broad strokes, and then we'll turn to the NFC East, the AFC East and the AFC North specifically, but in broad strokes who won, who lost to this point, Go.
3: Oh, my gosh. I didn't know I was going to have to do that.
1: You didn't think that there was going to be that elementary question? This is the way people do shows. They just say, who who won?" won? That's it.
3: Who won? Who lost? I liked the problem is I like what the Browns did, for instance. Um, I I like that the Bengals didn't just sit there and do nothing like the Bengals usually do. I liked what the Giants have done over the last few days. Even if you have to pay a lot of money, it's not my money. Like they they need to win now or else. And I love the two players they brought in, Galladay and Adoree Jackson. So it's more about like which teams are going to be more fun to watch for me. And then the last one I'll throw in is Washington, because to me, you know, adding, Samuel and Fitzpatrick. Like I am more excited
1: to watch Washington. So there's four for you. I, I, I like every mention you made there. And I like the, uh, the bit of sunshine you brought to each one too. You sound optimistic, at least from a viewing standpoint, not necessarily a team success standpoint, but let's talk about it. Eddie Spaghetti's here. He loves his giants. Of course, the NFC East interesting, but you, you and I park our cars in the same garage on, on one, fundamental football point when things are kind of close in the division give me the team who has the best quarterback it seems clear to me that the Cowboys have the best uh have the best QB in the east right now
3: well that's no question they're gonna so be the do favorite. they so
1: do they remain for you or am I assuming too much that they are the favorite to to take the East? As yeah, things are constituted
3: I would say they're the slight. They they're the favorite, but I think the other teams are all going to be more watchable and I believe more competitive than a year ago. Like Washington, it feels like now the the bar is seven and nine. They they could go seven and nine again, but I feel like they're going to get there. They have a good defense. They'll be more fun to watch. Philly's not going to be as big a train wreck. As they were a year ago, I want to watch Jalen Hurts, although he's an X factor and New York. They better do it this year. I'm still not all that confident because they they haven't really done that much with their offensive line. And to me, that was their biggest problem a year ago. But they have some strengths. They've got some people for Daniel Jones to throw to. And I've been very emotional about Daniel Jones because I was all in on him. And then that there was a couple of those games last season where I was just like, if you have anything, you can't be this. I don't care how bad your line is. You can't be playing this scared like he doesn't have it. And then, you know, he had a little couple games after that where I thought, okay, He's okay. He'll be fine. So I don't think it's like Dallas in a runaway. I think they'll be much more watchable, which is huge for the football fan in general because they put the NFC East on no matter what. And that has really bothered me the last few years.
1: Boy, it it really is super interesting where the QBs are concerned in in the East because now you have this $40 million man in Big D and then you have a guy in his third year and his rookie deal, like you say, in New York. And then you have this old man vet who's played for two thirds of, of the... The pro franchise is now trying to scratch out one more successful year. And then the Eagles are the question mark. I guess they're going to go with Jalen Hurts. But this feels like I get it with the Giants, the way they're put together. And Gettleman is obviously going to sell, validate and give Danny Dimes more rope to, to do something here. I at least understand the thought behind it. I think the Eagles make a mistake not getting a quarterback in uh, our Lord's year 2021, because I'm not sure who awaits them a year from now. There's some good free agent names, some intriguing ones, at least. And they're, I mean, Justin Fields, the, as I've said, ad nauseum, the, mis- the, the mistake is over committing to a pedestrian guy, to a middle-class guy. And I know it's not an overcommitment to roll with Jalen Hurts, but like the let's see... Kind of mentality is is a little cavalier in my book. How say you? What what else? What were you
3: going to do though? They had, they they made a huge, well, they might. They might. I don't think they're out of the quarterback game necessarily. I I don't know if they're going to trade up and want to give a lot of picks. So, you know, some of these mock drafts now have the quarterbacks going one through four. That's usually how these, the mock draft and NFL draft season goes at the beginning of the process. Like, well, RG3 might fall to 22. Or Mariota might fall the whatever, and then they end up getting taken second. Uh what I don't know what to talk about. This is every
1: year, the big canard. This is the this what? is the QB flow. And you could just track it by almost to the week, if a, a, at least the month. And here we are now, like all this nonsense about like, I don't know if Justin Fields is worth a first round. <laughs> Trey Lance, he's a project. He might be like a, a second round guy that you put there and learn at the knee of blank, like all this jive. It's just uh, uh, of course. Um. I, I anyway, the bottom line, as far as that goes, is the Eagles are going to make a mistake if they try to put the finishing touches on a team, which is what that kind of amounts to for me of not taking. A, no, a it's just saying that you believe it. in
3: Jalen Hurts. It, okay. It's OK. I mean, especially if you're at pick six, it's just a very specific I like Hertz almost as much as Fields or uh, or Trey Lance, which I don't feel like I'm a draft Nick enough uh, enough to uh, have a great opinion. There's a reason Hertz fell so far in the draft, though. I mean, he had things to work on, but you liked I liked what you what I saw out of him. He seems like he has a a higher floor than teams expected. That he might be yeah, right. a little closer to the Dalton line or – our dear friend Chris Wessling's invention of, you know, if if you're right at the line between franchise quarterback or not, I kind of would be surprised if Jalen Hurts does not have a pretty good 12 year career, whether that's as like a starter or as a, you know, option one B it's hard to say right now.
1: Um, Well, it does make you think you, I I do wonder, I know everybody harumphed at it a decade ago. I used to, I grew up, why can't we see some option in pro football? Why, can, why, why, why is that ridiculous to suggest that a guy who's a good runner and I, over the last decade we've seen more and more of it? I really do wonder if Sean Payton really is going to try to roll with that and try to have it both ways and setting up this Jameis versus Taysom thing. Like, yeah, both. It's going to be both, and you never know which, uh, what, who you're going to get. And I think that would put legit, if nothing else, that would put legitimate pressure on a defense to try and handle that. But okay, let's jump to another subject, another division, even the AFC North and you have voiced support for the Pittsburgh Steelers resigning of Juju Smith-Schuster. Most, I'll let you know, on the banks of the three rivers, at least two thirds of the analysts there think this was a terrible move that the Steelers are doomed to third place, perhaps even fourth place. What do you mean what? That's, That's that's I don't know what's what. The, what's in- the
3: reasoning? What's the reasoning? His his uh, like totally excellent production. His entire career, I don't get because it. Is, he's not
1: it, a true number one. That he that so what you didn't pay him good. like that. You just paid him. You just paid him
3: what Keelan Cole got, and you paid him for one
1: year. So what's it's, the because, it's because at some point, I don't know to what or to whom it's uh, it's owed, but at some point in the last few years, Pittsburgh has reimagined itself as a sports media market in line with Boston, which is to say, just complain constantly. <laughs> Be spoiled and act like everything is... A, like, what are we talking about? The Steelers won 12 games last year. Yes, the Browns game was a dreadful embarrassment, but it doesn't mean that the sky is falling. But... So you're so you're supportive of Juju. So am I, because the it's really, like I say, about finishing piece. I mean, Ben Roethlisberger, the assumption goes for a lot of people in Pittsburgh and beyond is that is that he's finished. And so then Mm -hmm. why are you getting this luxury item, which is a high end? Number two, when you don't maybe even have a proper number one receiver, and those dollars should be devoted to fixing the offensive line or otherwise. That's the thing. But you're, but you are supportive of 19 as number seven comes back. I guess the question is, in broader strokes, is do you think that the Steelers have any realistic shot of winning the North? Let's start there. Forget about Super Bowl yes. contender or any of that.
3: Yes. Realistic, of course. I, I mean, they won, they won how many games last year? It was 12. Like 12. They won 12. The, the defense for the most part has a lot to like um, and a lot of continuity. It's not perfect. You know, they, they'll have to, Figure out a you know a few things in the secondary and everything, but they they weren't that healthy last year. I don't necessarily think Ben is done. I just think Ben is Ben Roethlisberger is done as Ben Roethlisberger as like a top six quarterback. Um, but it, can he be good enough to keep the car on the tracks if you like get a few breaks and go back and win eleven games again? Yes, I think so. And That's why the Juju thing seems crazy to me because if anything, this is a win now year. It is an aging not win now, but what else are you going to do with that money? You were gonna go, right. You're going to go you're going to go pay the tackle that's rated below Riley Reef. And you're talking about a guy in Juju who's a second round pick who's caught 300 balls for you. Like he's making Danny Amendola in Detroit money. He's it's just a one year thing where, you know, he helps your team. You're not spending a lot at that position. It is a win now uh, year. There's almost no risk to it because you know who he is. So it's like, why not? I don't you know, it's it, a lot of things would have to happen for them to win a Super Bowl. But why they can certainly win double digit games. I, I I don't know if I'll pick that or not, but that's that's like in the realm of very much in the realm of possible. Well, I'm making the
1: pick. They're going to go double digits. Let's see how the draft goes. Obviously, where so we're the tough division. His, it's a tough it's division. He rolls his eyes, but I don't know if you heard Spaghetti. Mike Tomlin doesn't have losing seasons, and neither does Ben Roethlisberger. So I, I'm not sure exactly what's owed to your cynicism right. there. Or it's one thing for Spaghetti, who's who's not like. That that the local media in Pittsburgh is is harumphing at at all of this. Like, what 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 exactly is the cynicism about everybody? I mean, they they consistently put a winning product on the field. Yes, every year does not wind up with a Super Bowl, but given the I don't I don't want to go down the rabbit hole of that okay. of that team right okay. now. We've done we we we've kibitzed about Juju. We'll talk more as time progresses. But you now, talk too much about the Steelers on your podcast. I don't believe that. I don't believe Do you want a second. Cut him. I might get your <laughs> finger ready, Spaghetti. If he does it again, cut him <laughs> this off. Is, no. This is why All I right. was never asked All back right. on the Damashek podcast. Either. That's right. What, it, get Watch your P, mind your P's and Q's, bub. Now, the assumption is that the Steelers, what are they doing? The people who are saying, why would they spend on Juju? And they're really going to give away um, Stephen Nelson. He's uh, in, in order to keep Juju. That's a little murky whether or not. Um, it's Rob and Peter to pay Paul. But the assumption is, is what are, what are we talking about? It's nonsense. The Browns and Ravens are both better. Let's start there. Who would you rather be a fan of for 2021? And let's say Whoa. for the next three years, Whoa. Ravens or Browns? Who's the better team to to be supportive of right now? If you like winners. If you like to be in the winner circle, which team is better to back right now? The The Cleveland Browns or the Baltimore Purples?
3: you know, my, my heart, my in my, my, my head says the Browns, I think they've done everything right. And yet, of course, I'm going to say the Ravens because I think the track record of the last 20 years with the management they have matters and Lamar Jackson matters. So again, I'm leaning quarterback and yeah, like they haven't had the greatest free agency period right now. And I don't know where they're getting their pass rush from and all this stuff, but they always, they always find a way. I think that does matter. And I think the Browns are setting it up all, all right. And I like, what's going on, but give me Lamar over Baker by a long shot. And that gives Whoa, them such a... That's- I don't oh, think a yeah. lot of people just are. Really? Oh, yeah, of
1: course, of course.
3: Well, give them by a long shot, and then give the organization ultimately until the Browns stack up some years. Give me the organization ultimately, Ravens by a long shot too.
1: I I tend to agree, although I think we're just kind of looking at uh, at the logo or lack of logo on that orange hat for a team named Browns and assuming that this uh, that they can't succeed for any long term. But I think they can. I, but you made me choose one or the other. Like, I hear ya. you. Know. Well, the thing with Baker is, as we always say, at this point, it's been proven very clearly that no human being likes um, or, or or is really capable of consistent success if they're under a heavy pass rush. Um, but Baker Mayfield really, really, really stinks it up if you heat him up at all. As it happens, that offensive line might be the best in the biz right now. I kind of like the Browns, and I, I remain and for the record uh for anybody who who thinks that uh Dave's Hayton I was in on Lamar I thought Lamar was going to revolutionize football for one year that offense they they committed to it but now we see the other side of it which is I don't know that anybody really wants to go there um to play for it as a free agent and by the way to if nothing else if I may say to the to the skeptical Steelers fan just straight up juju doesn't sign with the Steelers, but does go to the Ravens. Now you have just locked yourself into third place because that would be a bad trade-off within the division if you put Juju working those seams with Lamar Jackson. But I do not, I think Lamar, I like that offense a lot, but I am concerned. I always say the Ravens' defense must dominate. It has to be the the so-called complementary. And so far, they don't have any pass rush. Don't they have to get clowny? Houston or Melvin Ingram or one of those kind of guys, at least, uh, I mean, there, there, there's, there's Calais Campbell. I love Calais Campbell as a human being, as well as a player, but he's old now the, the their defensive front is downright old. It's all on the wrong side of 30.
3: No, you're right. And if I had to choose, like if I was picking the division right now, I might take the Browns over the Ravens in 2021. Your question's a little more long-term and it's partly because they always find a way coming into last year. They had about five new starters on their defense. The year before, it was like, well, they just cycled out all these players. And they always they always find someone. You know, Judon was not a guy anyone knew about. Now he's making $20 million elsewhere. Like, they always find a way, whether it's with their scheme or anything. And then with Lamar, last year was a step back. But it was a step back where they were about a top 10, 11 offense. It's not like they were bad. I mean, they, they weren't a little worse than the Browns, for instance, offensively it wasn't a huge deal so I'm still kind of buying the same thing that I was buying going into year two with Lamar I've, I certainly feel that way going into year four it's like yeah he's gonna get better he's that's what quarterbacks with the, his kind of incredible talent do they get better so he's gonna and with his I think pretty obvious intangibles after three years I think you can put something to that that like yeah he's gonna keep working until he improves the, the the poor parts of his games and he might never be you know a top five passer but he's going to keep getting better and better and his running game just like is still at the point where it's setting up so much else that it gives you a pretty big advantage
1: i mean i've, I've always said cam's the best running quarterback i've ever seen michael vick and steve younger no are lamar is come on really you don't think no lamar but now is? lamar jackson oh, okay yes lamar jackson is too Although we also see diminishing returns with that uh, with that style, you're going to get banged yep. around no matter who you are, and so he's going to have to evolve as a passer. But all right, you mentioned Judon. I do think Janu Smith would have been a nice add. Juju Smith Schuster would be a if they could somehow. I don't know
3: why him. they didn't add Juju. I w- I just want to say I totally agree with you. Why didn't they? I just think they dropped offered-
0: it.
1: But
3: they didn't try that hard, you know. Our our old friend uh, Taylor Boshadi breaking some news. <laughs> she said they offered him nine, you know, one for nine, and Steelers offered him one for eight. It's I like think- okay, if you really want, and maybe Juju's putting that out there to make him look good. Who knows? But if you really wanted him, they could have offered him a lot more money, and I'm sure he would have taken it.
1: Yeah, fair. Um, now let's uh, you may uh, I I mentioned Janu, and uh, and that leads us up to Foxborough way. What do you think? I mean, I mean, obviously now people want people are afraid, I think, that Belichick's going to harumph in their direction and then they're going to look dumb or something. But let's let's be clear that at minimum, the wide receiver contracts are ridiculous from Belichick. Right. He wanted to lock in somebody and so he overspent to get nelson you're including, Aguilar.
3: The, you're including the tight ends in that or you're just no saying i said Aguilar? the wide
1: receivers i said the wide well receivers. it was
3: just one real you're saying the kendrick bourne contract kendrick was really born like what, what, what kind of deal wasn't that those? much money though it wasn't that much money i mean he got paid as like a, a reserve type type contract you like cam
1: back in
3: hindsight the fact that will fuller went one for ten and and Juju specifically won one free, I'd I'd much rather have Juju and he'd be perfect in that offense. So I think there was probably a point in free agency where Juju was asking for, if I just had to guess more than Aguilar was making, I hope, or maybe they just loved Aguilar. He lit him up in the Super Bowl. That's one of Belichick's, you know, weakness. He just goes for guys who light them up. It's so, it's so, uh, it's so like simple and obvious. I don't know why that, that happens. And the, and the Raiders bid Aguilar up. It, that one didn't make much sense to me of all the ones they did, but I, you know, you're right. People are afraid to like go after him. I should have said them as a winner because it, it's again, it's not my money that they're spending and their roster stunk. And they, they signed at least six starters and a couple reserves and at least, I would say, let's say half of those work out. Well, that's a big improvement compared to anyone else in the league because their roster stunk. Pe- their front seven and their skill position were like 30 to 32 last year. So they had to do something.
1: Hey, listen, I uh, you, you know me. I'm a cam guy through and through. I think, he's, I think he remains borderline Hall of Fame. And the way things are setting up, he has a chance to succeed big time. The problem is the Bills, to me, are the bigger favorite to even get to, to, to get to the Super Bowl than even the chiefs are at this point. Um, and while I could make a case and that's, what's so fun about pro football in spring is that you can make a case for almost any team being halfway decent. I don't think it's crazy that we'll, that Russell, Russell Wilson could even wind up with the jets at this point. I don't know, but let's say they get the right QB. I don't know. It could be Watson. I don't know what's going to happen with that mess at this point, but maybe, Justin fields is ready to go i mean as always like, oh he's going to learn at the knee of a savvy vet and then by you know October 1st that kid's in there I think the jets could be really good the way, i mean they they might they might be dynamite even the line of scrimmage is everything um or 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 is oh, has far more import than i think we we always talk about it but then when well, you gun well, last year
3: now they have they have a new staff, but their offensive line stung last year.
1: Well, but their defensive side looks strong. Anyway, the Dolphins, if Tua, if they get him some weapons, I could see I also think that the Patriots are more likely to finish in last place than they are first place. How say you?
3: Ooh. I'm gonna say no because because partly of last year, I really think the them scratching out seven wins. I'm not saying that's their floor, but that was a bad team. I just feel like, they'll if everything goes wrong, I think Belichick will find a way to come in third. You know, I agree with you, though. It's the best AFC East in my memory uh, where any one of those teams could be in the playoffs, I think, which is you would n- never say that or in contention. I guess I got to see it with the Jets before I quite believe it. They did win only two games last year. I know like everyone loves Robert Sala, but it, it's a that's a big jump.
1: I guess you're right. Yes, I am being overly aggressive to jump from 2 to, you know, 10 or 11. Um, but I got to say uh, the quarterback, like, is – I just don't West, know. It, and look out – and beware the West. The only bum division that we can circle for sure is the South. I mean, if Carson Wentz stinks, then that whole division is an atrocity, and you might see what you saw with the NFC East a year ago. You might see, like, eight an 8-8 eight type team. Well, I mean, you know, the Colts are awesome, but if Carson Wentz is a bum, then – you know who's the salvation of that division? Who's the halfway decent? Well, they
3: team? get to pl- the Titans get to play for. First of all, the Titans will get to play the rest of the division, which is nice. Um, if if the Colts are bad, I don't think the Colts will be that bad. Even though I'm with you, I don't believe in wins. And so you get to play the Jags and the Texans. We'll see. I guess I'm giving a little organizational credit to t- Tennessee. They've had a bad month or two, but they're pretty solid. I mean, they have. When was the last time they had a losing record? I know.
1: I hear you. Well, they're pretty, they're
3: pretty rock solid
1: to me. That is if things go wrong, kind of an eight and eight, nine and seven. I hear you, but the bills also kind of come and do on like, you want to pay Ryan Tannehill and Derek Henry, that kind of bank. Your the supporting cast is going to fall off. And uh, let's see those two guys carry the load the whole way. All right. Listen, the great Greg Rosenthal, everybody. What a treat to talk to him and his jacket. He looks nice. He sounds nice. He is nice. I can confirm, except he's condescending sometimes about other people's football teams. But that's all right. Go listen to the Jeselnik and Rosenthal Vanity Project. Go listen to Around the NFL. Go listen to Mark Sessler and mute him when he starts doing his mean-spirited haikus about Big Ben Roethlisberger. That's his thing now. He is I don't real, like that. He
3: has a lot at stake with the
1: Steelers well, guess falling what? falling apart guess what good uh, guess what the bills come and due for him too and i wore and this also, jacket
3: because i was like what can i wear that check won't comment on and i still I still I didn't do it i but i complimented it. it yeah it and fun. spaghetti thanks.
1: look into this Hansis. let's see about him let's <laughs> see and best to uh best to our pal uh rick hollywood all right the great greg rosenthal everybody take good care and thanks for the time fella thanks jack I mean, I don't care what you say about him. I think he's a good guy, Spaghetti.
2: I like Greg a lot, and I like that Greg said that he does the best thing. Greg said, uh, as he was praising the Giants signings, was it's not my money. I know it's something you said too. You don't get into sports media to care about people's money, but with the cap going up and the way these deals are, and and, and you can guarantee money and like it's or you put it in terms of a bonus. Like every team weasels their way out of like a, you know cap hell. Why am I people who will yell at the Giants spending money on Kenny Galladay, spending money on Leonard Williams, spending money on a Dory Jackson? It's like, uh, piss off. Like, who it's not yours? Who cares? They got good, I know, players but you roster. get it.
1: It's not the same as baseball, there's a salary cap, so it, it yeah, they're, they're I know, it's but it skyrocket. makes sense. I know, but it may, it does, it, it, it's not as silly as people wringing their hands about like air. Wait, how much do they pay? Um. G and Carlos Stanton, you know, uh it's not that that really isn't your money. So <laughs>
2: right, who cares? Right.
1: If it compromises your ability to keep Saquon in a year or something like that, I get it from a Giants fan point of view.
2: When Kenny Galladay brings in double-digit reception touchdowns, I'm not going to be like, "Oh, we, we are paying him a lot, though." I wish I wish he was on a bargain. It doesn't, you know, Leonard Williams ten and a half sacks, for he's going to have. I'm not going to be like, "Ah, but you know, too expensive." It doesn't matter. Just win. They had they got to win now, and they're doing the right thing. So okay, but wait a second.
1: Okay, we're going to get to Tannenbaum, but now now I have to ask you, as our resident Giants fan, so you're so so we're glasses half full for you with Kenny Galladay.
2: I think Kenny Galladay is a great, I mean, he's, he's, humongous. he's good.
1: He's very good, but let's not act like that. The production has been, um, you know, beyond debate and he's definitely going to be a superstar. It's not like he has been a superstar for a long stretch in pro football.
2: I disagree with that. I mean, he has two thousand yard receiving uh seasons. He's out of the receivers that were available in this class, uh what he brings to the table helps this team out the most. So they have guys like Darius Slayton, Sterling Shepard, Shep, more of a slot. Slayton obviously we proved last year, and it's not a knock against him, but just some guys can't take on the number one cornerback. Galladay could, you could throw the ball up high. You know, last time John's really good. Who was your top receiver? You know, grabbing balls on top of uh, cornerbacks heads, it was Plaxico Burris who had size. So uh, I I think it's a great move here. And I still wouldn't be shocked if they go and take Waddle or Devontae Smith in the draft too. just give Dimes as many weapons as possible, have an elite receiving core and then go after it. I mean, I think it's a move that had to be done
1: all right you go grab balls and uh and now let's get to mike tannenbaum who's making noise on the banks of the three rivers and uh and otherwise with his takes on roethlisberger juju whether or not the Steelers should have done that and that's just uh, like i say the tip of the iceberg good conversation here with mike tannenbaum all right, this is good stuff. We just heard Greg Rosenthal. Now, he said some nice things about the Juju signing, of course. Now, let's uh, let's get the yang of that signing. And all things else, free agency with the, the former GM of the New York Jets. You watch him, I watch him now on Get Up with his insights on what's going on in free agency. And, of course, the 33rd team, the new think tank with the head coaches and GMs and uh, what goes on in that head space. It's Mike Tannenbaum. How are you, man?
0: Good. And Dave, the big difference is Greg Rosenthal is from the western part of Massachusetts, a place called Wilbraham, Mass., which is really known for where the originally friendlies are from. I'm from the eastern part of the state of Massachusetts, Needham, and that's why I'll be able to give you a much more comprehensive, accurate view of the Juju Smith-Schuster sign, amongst other topics.
1: I look forward to that. You're like Babe Ruth calling your shot in the 32 World Series here. You're about to uh, to vanquish the boss himself, Rosenthal. And I, I just I, I'm a little bummed out spiritually that you're going after. This is Green Wave on Green Wave Crime. I don't know if you're if you realize that he's an undergraduate alum of Tulane. And uh, of course, you got a graduate degree from there. But so be it. You're your own man. And um let, let's talk about – now, by the way, you mentioned Massachusetts. I want one, one of the – I love playing what if about pro football, that if the tuck rule had gone the Raiders' way, here's what would have happened in 2004. Let's shake up those QBs and put them in, the, in different spots. One of the biggest ones ever to me is if Marino takes care of business in the Orange Bowl against the Patriots, against Champagne, Tony Eason, and Mosey Tatupu, and Craig James, and Steve Grogan and his neck roll – I say that that Dolphins team that Dan Marino was the kryptonite to the 80 to to the 46 defense. How say you your Patriots kind of derailed what would have been probably by the end of the 20th century, the greatest quarterback of all time if Marino takes down that Bears team.
0: Yeah, that's a great point. And one of the great fortunes I had early in my career when I was with the Jets in the late 90s was um, I was charting plays in the coaching box. And Coach Belichick was the defensive coordinator. Coach Parcells was the head coach. And just listening to them talk about defending Dan Marino was, was fascinating. And, you know, the thing about Dan that was remarkable was, you know, never were really a great foot athlete. But his release, Dave, was so remarkable. It was like mm-hmm. – and Coach Belichick, it was fascinating. Like they knew what was coming and it was still hard to stop. I mean, and from an athletic performance standpoint, that's really when you're in such rarefied air – that you can almost like call it out and nothing you can do about it. And Dan just was remarkable in terms of uh, his ability to see it, get rid of it and deliver it fast and accurate.
1: Well, I, you know, I, I also think that, and I've talked with Brian Baldinger and others about this, you know, Bill Walsh coveted Marino and we can, what, I I guess we could, what if it, if you put Marino, if, if, you can get in the way of Montana, one of those Super Bowls early. Walsh might have gotten a little scoochy with Montana and and, and traded up to get the likes of Marino or Elway, and that would alter history. And then, of course, Mark Sanchez. I know you just talked on around the NFL with, uh, with Rosenthal and company over there about what could have been really reshaped the way we regard the Jets, Mark Sanchez, and, and, and so on. You guys had that game. In Heinz Field and could have gone to play the Packers in that Super Bowl. Uh, do you? Because uh, to me, the thing I always point to with that game—I know we're getting a little deep in the weeds with a game from 11 years ago—but do you think back about that one drive that you got that Sean Green was making all sorts of hay against the mighty Steel Curtain defense that uh, that uh, was so stout against most everybody else and fourth and goal at the inch line. And instead of Sean green, you give it to number 21, our paladinian, and he gets stuff that swung the game, right?
0: Yeah. Actually, there's another like, you know, and maybe this is why, you know, I'm just a little off centered here. Like I also think about the first drive, the first third down of the game, we're off the field and they call away from the ball. Antonio Cromartie hands to the face. They score a touchdown on that drive. And I, Think often about Dave, like I'm convinced we win the game if it wasn't for that penalty because the rest of the game, we actually played pretty well. I thought we, you know, obviously I'm very, bi- I thought we outplayed him and, you know, a lot of things happened and, you know, they made a big conversion at the end game. We can't get the ball back and the rest is history. Yeah, I mean, listen,
1: I, I, I don't want to keep on with that game. I don't want to spend our time with that, but absolutely Willie Gay and Ike Taylor combined uh, for a uh, scoop and score right before the half. I, I'm with you completely. Uh, that, but you mentioned the rest is history. But that's exactly how our brains work. Once it's committed to history, we move on with that, and we, and we. Uh, that's why the what if game is is so much fun to play to play with this. But let's look ahead a little bit instead of looking back here and to the matter at hand and your remarks. Now, a lot of people in Pittsburgh, a lot of the media people are very upset about the state of the Steelers. They're very upset that Roethlisberger's back. They're very upset that they've brought Juju Smith-Schuster back. However, those same people are upset with Mike Tannenbaum because, you know, you can insult your family – uh, your own family, but an outsider doesn't get to insult your family. So that's why you're in the crosshairs, I think, right now. Is, what's Tannenbaum, dude? yins dude, Tannenbaum, you hear him. He saying that Roethlisberger's no good no more, and they should move on from him. But la- but bottom five? Explain this, Mike. Bottom
0: five team in that whole NFL, they won 12 games last year. Yeah, and the the margins between winning and losing are really small. And let me just preface my comments by saying, like, I think the role of Kevin Colbert. I think he should be in the debate to be in the Hall of Fame as a GM. I admire the Rooney family from a loyalty standpoint, but I lived it. Like I've made those decisions of holding on to players like Vinnie Testaverde too long, bringing Jay Cutler back. When it goes for quarterbacks, it go. Dave, I'm telling you, it just doesn't go like this. It just falls off a cliff. And Ben Roethlisberger and Mike Tomlin, they're in the Hall of Fame. They've had great careers, great run. And it's over. Like, if you just look, if you took the name Roethlisberger off the back of the jersey, you would objectively say he is a aging, speed deficient, athletically deficient quarterback that doesn't want to get hit anymore. And if I made the money he made and had the rings he had, I'd feel the same way. It's not unreasonable, but he should become an ambassador. He should become a broadcaster. It's over, and they're paying him for what he's done, and they're going to have the fourth best quarterback in the AFC North not only this year, but by doing this, they've guaranteed themselves to have the fourth-best quarterback in the AFC North next year, and they're stopping progress. It's hard to do. I've made that mistake before because there's such emotional loyalty, but if you look at it fair and objectively based on how he played, it's over. He had one of the worst yards-per-pass attempt of any NFL quarterback, and if I know that and know that the field shrank, the opposing defensive coordinators know that as well.
1: Well, you definitely saw that in the last third, at minimum, of uh, of the season. The defense has kind of figured that out. Here's here's my pushback, if I may. One, I'm with you completely. He is not the same guy that he was, and it's kind of the opposite of Frank Gore, the Frank Gore effect. Maurice Jones-Drew always points to to Frank Gore and say, "Well, why, why is he able to succeed so late?" in, in uh, um in his actual year count 36 or whatever he is that he still is relevant in pro football it's because he never was a burner so he didn't lose speed because he never had speed to begin with it's kind of why Tom Brady and Peyton Manning can play into their 40s because they're not predicated on any sense of athleticism whereas Roethlisberger was shredding guys and playground and getting out of the pocket and getting it downfield but isn't it possible that the elbow, I, and I, I don't think he had arm issues per se. If you look at the second, I mean, he he, he did throw enough lasers, enough um, you know sideline routes, twenty yards downfield, that made me think, what's well, not the arm? It may be the will, though. It may be the the player's mortality that he just doesn't like getting smacked anymore. But I, isn't there a possibility that by the same logic that, well, the ACL is better in two, year two after surgery yep. than year one, that that also would apply to the elbow?
0: Yeah, no, I think that's fair. Like, I think if we were talking about Tua Tanvaloa, we were talking about he's another year off of surgery. He's a young ascending player. I just think this is a guy that, you know what, Dave, like, it's his football mortality. I don't think it's about his elbow. I just think it's over. Like, hmm. you just, he got rid of the ball fast. Like, you only get so many hits in the body. And the fact that he wants to come back says a lot about his, like, sort of, like, bravery and, you know, mindset. But if I was them, I would go with a draft choice. I would try to get somebody younger, somebody that has upside. I love the Haskins signing because there's no downside to it. Mm-hmm. But I just think if the if you and I were sitting there and looking at it objectively and we had to go win a championship this year and you had to bet on Lamar Jackson, Joe Burrow, Baker Mayfield, or Ben in this state, it's very clear to me that it's three young quarterbacks and draw a big, big line.
1: Well, that and and, and there is my other chunk of, of pushback, tepid as it is, that I don't know realistically what else they could do. I don't know that they can leverage the picks that they have and it would really compromise. I mean, they're, they're a mess on the offensive line. There are places where they need fixing beyond QB. So I don't know that they have the assets right now. I believe me, if Justin Fields or Trey Lance could fall into the Steelers lap, great, but I don't know what the realistic path is to any of those guys. And I think they're going to be, whether they brought Roethlisberger back or not, I think they'd be in the same boat in 11 months from now that they are right now. I don't, I, I, like I say, I don't know where, how you acquire one of these, these, these young guys that you're talking about.
0: No, that, that's fair from a standpoint of like, you know, the options, we don't know. Could they go get Russell Wilson, for example, you know, the Deshaun Watson situation more complicated now than it's been Dave. Um, but my point is like, if Ben Rothenberger is out of the building, a couple of things happen. One is you're saving $14 million cash that you could put into Maybe it's Corey Lindsley. Maybe it's getting Villain Villanueva back on a multi-year deal. Like it's going to go to something. And it does change your mindset of like, we have to zealously find a quarterback, you know, short-term and long-term because what we have, it we don't have one right now. And Mason Rudolph, I think clearly has shown he's not the answer. Haskins, again, I love that signing for the way they have it, the context, there's only upside. And, You know, if you look at a team like the Saints, they went out and they got their quarterback of the future a year early. And um, I would be scouring if I was the Steelers.
1: Yeah, I I mean, to me, the the play would be if it's if it's reasonable with Joe Douglas at this point to see about a a third or maybe a 2022 second for Sam Darnold and really jam that room up with a bunch of young options and see what emerges there. But I, you know. It really isn't just loyalty to to the Hall of Fame QB. I do think that there is a legitimate path with Roethlisberger. Um, and be, based on this, much of the defense from 2019 that went 8-8 eight and eight with Duck Hodges now has an aged but still Hall of Fame quarterback. Obviously, 39-year-old Roethlisberger is better than uh whatever age duck hodges was two years ago so i think that the that the floor can only go so low that's that's kind of my thought with the reboot how low you're, they can't be hugh jackson's browns they the, there's too much talent in the locker room for them to really really go two and 14 no matter what you do um now here are the jets they have the second overall the giants making some moves but i don't know that the amount of money that they're spending on some of those big name guys to draw them in here. It leads me to this. You've been in that market. Which team would you rather be a fan of? If you like wins, would you rather be a jets fan for the next three years or a giants fan? Who's in better shape in your book and give the divisions and coaches and all of it. See if you can put that all together and decide one way or the other. Dave, that's a great
0: question. If I'm going to cop out a little bit, if if we can guarantee that the Jets take Zach Wilson, I'm taking the Jets. Because I, I think Wilson has a chance to be really dynamic. Um, I think Daniel Jones has outplayed Sam Darnold. If you just look at it fairly and objectively, and I think the Giants have had a good offseason. If a Dory Jackson can stay healthy, I really like that. Uh, I think Galladay was someone they spent a lot of money on, but he has two things that none of those players on the draft have, which is rare, rare size, so – um if the Jets don't take Wilson, I go with the Giants. But if the Jets have Wilson, I'm going with the Jets. I, I
1: I know you're in, and I don't uh, want to make you explain yourself again um, because I know it's a recurring question that you're you're dealing with here. Is Zach Wilson or I, I and you know, I, I it beauty's in the eye of the beholder and uh, and everything. But I still think it feels to me. Correct me if I'm wrong. Russell Wilson. It sure it sure seemed like wanted to go to New York two years ago, albeit the Giants, not the Jets. Or it sounds like that almost happened. Is it crazy to think at this stage in the process that maybe they will pull the trigger on that? Russell Wilson to the Jets, give the second overall, because I don't know with Deshaun Watson. It seems like that's a mess. And I, you know, I I don't want to get into you know, the, the, the mess that that is, but even Russell Wilson, do you think that's implausible that the Seahawks would actually be willing to give away the franchise like that?
0: Uh, you know, I, I think I, if I could go get Russell Wilson, I, I, you would have to talk me out of why that's not a good idea. Um, I just think at the end of the day, Dave, 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 that, um, one of the things I think we all learned last year was this whole notion of of an aura of association with Tom Brady and what happened in Tampa Bay. And if you said, Hey, it's going to cost three first round picks. And by the way, let's give the jets credit. Like they got four first round picks right now. Like that's hard to do. Mm -hmm. And they lost a good player in Jamal Adams and we can say, you know, was it too much or whatever, but they're sitting on four ones. If I'm the jets, I do that trade because I have a high character winning quarterback for the next five years who's smart, accurate, tough, and durable. And while I'm missing picks, I could acquire players other ways. Like, I think a team that's doing a good job right now is the Colts. Like, I'd wait on the Galladay's to sign and then come in and go get Sammy Watkins. There's plenty of good players out there. And I think people would want to come to New York because they have a chance to win with a quarterback. And you're going to be able to get talent, albeit not from those first-round picks. So knowing his body type, his physique, his ability to make people miss. I think Wilson is a guy that could play reasonably well for the next three to five years. And and that would have to be a big part of the calculation. And again, just going back to Roethlisberger for a second, it's when you look at someone like Ben, like just the way he's moving and playing. And again, it's not about the elbow surgery. I just see a slow, stiff guy, you know, it's mother nature. And I think Wilson just has a different sort of like body type to think that you could give up a number of picks and still, you know, it'll be a worthwhile investment.
1: I agree. And it's two franchises at completely different stages. If you're the Seahawks, it feels like, yeah, well, the Seahawks are always a Super Bowl contender, but the fact is that they haven't really gotten very close in quite some time. And it's a lifetime ago, 2014, that Malcolm Butler happens now. And, you know, I'm sure Seahawks fans are fully aware that Pete Carroll and everybody else I, I, I do kind of see the merit if I'm the Seahawks. I know it would be a heartbreaker, and you don't want to give away the face of the franchise and a good guy who goes to hospitals. And, and, and I legitimately love that he does that, win or lose, and and all of that. But still, the the fact is, what is this, year 10, I guess, for Russell Wilson? I think a reboot wouldn't be the worst thing in the world, especially given the way the NFC West is is sort of breaking there. But as far as New York City goes, We always hear, and and I think you've weighed in on, Belichick doesn't care what Tom Brady just did. It doesn't matter to him that Tom Brady just won a Super Bowl. Um, He's worried about his team and everything else. I don't know. I think he's a human being. You know him. I don't know him. But I got to think it bothers him as a guy who loves U.S. history and then loves NFL history. It's like, uh, is history going to regard me differently because the, the QB now feels like more important? But as far as that goes, you were in that seat where the fans, whoever you draft, the cutaways in Radio City, Music Hall and otherwise booing, whoever you just pick, no matter who it is. How much honestly does the media and maybe to a lesser degree, the fan base get in your head like. You know, it would go over a little bit better. It would buy me a little. It would buy me some positive news if I drafted so and so, or if I went and got this free agent because he's an exciting, shiny new piece to add to the team.
0: So I would say uh, I'll answer that question a couple of different ways. You know, first of all, like as it relates to like me and my experience, when I was very fortunate to be uh, at the time I was the youngest GM in the NFL in New York, and I had a really good infrastructure around me. It definitely bothered my family way more than it bothered me. I mean, look, one of the things – it was a great teaching moment with my kids was we go to the championship game. Um, We talked about that. And they wrote an incredibly nice article about me. It was Mike Lupica. I'm on the back page, and it's a picture of Rex Ryan and me, and it says the genius behind the mouth. And the article, if I had written it, Dave, couldn't have been any nicer – Nine months later, we trade for Derek Mason. It's a slow news day. They quote me about, well, why'd you trade for Derek Mason? And I said X and Y. And they say to Rex, why'd you trade for Derek Mason? And he says something completely different. Next day, back page of the newspaper, dumb and dumber. Same paper, nine <laughs> months apart. And I said to my kids, like, this is a great lesson. You know, the same paper that's saying I'm a genius is saying I'm an idiot. So it's really what you should think of yourself. Now, with that said, <laughs> Coach Belichick, I'm just telling you, Dave, one of his superpowers that I greatly admire that I don't have is the most locked-in tunnel guy. I bet he watched the Super Bowl, but if you said to me, you know what, he was in Nantucket or out on a boat, it wouldn't have shocked me. I think the threads of this offseason started when he was walking off the field on January 3rd. They had just beaten the Jets, and he knew it wasn't good enough. And, sure, Tom Brady winning – maybe one or 2%, but he is an intrinsically motivated person who's going to always be beholden to one thought, which is what is in the best interest of this team this year. And again, going back to the Roethlisberger thing, if he was the head coach of the Steelers with final stand personnel, I think we both know how that decision would have gone.
1: Yeah. I, I, I I, mean, I could go round and round uh, about the, the Roethlisberger decision and it really always comes back to for me where where what, what I said uh, a few minutes ago that um, I just don't realistically see the path. I, You know, let's roll with Mason Rudolph and perhaps Dwayne Haskins if he makes the the roster and see what either of those guys has. That's not just uninspired. That's that that's over committing to guys who are already we, we kind of already have a sense of at least Mason Rudolph who he is what he's going to be in the NFL and we're, comp- we're, we're basically spending a year of Cam Hayward's career and Minka Fitzpatrick and TJ Watt and those guys to see I feel like I, I, I know it's an imperfect path but it is the best path that the Steelers realistically have for this season which is the 2015 Broncos model ride a a quarterback find. He's a name brand or whatever. Maybe that has some cachet in the locker room, Um, but it's riding the defense and they have to find a, a a run game and maybe there's some path, but realistically this is a conference that now has the chargers and the, and the chiefs. I think the chargers are actually going to beat the chiefs this year in that in that division. And um, yeah, you know, the, the Browns are looking awfully good and, and so on and so forth. But um. Last question for you is because I really, I mean, I I, I do I can tell uh, five hours without breaking a sweat, um, bouncing on uh, uh, digging into your brain here a little bit, but thirty third team is the way to do that uh, with Tan and Bomb Company. Um, I asked Rex Ryan this a few months ago, and I, I I was I was really bummed out that he didn't know the answer to this. Hard knocks, perhaps the the signature moment in the entire franchise's history is now let's go have a goddamn snack i asked rex this he said he didn't know what was the snack
0: well i can tell you a couple things it was aggressive creative voluminous um (laughs) it was it was a combo of pizza and ice cream (laughs) and and, and and those are ands not ors i see
1: that's but that counts in Rex's world as a snack then the main course, a dessert, maybe some fried calamari to start things off right that's that's the, word, the late the night word, snack
0: the word snack is a big tent. <laughs>
1: <laughs> all right, uh, great stuff, man. Appreciate it. Like I said, I could go on and on with you, but uh, appreciate all your insights there. And I hope that the, the the Pittsburgh sports media isn't going too hard after you. If it makes you feel any better, like I say, two thirds of them agree with you that Roethlisberger shouldn't be back. Juju's a terrible signing. What are they? They're gonna they're gonna they'll be lucky to beat out the Bengals for last place. We'll see. You know what? To quote uh, your old pal, Bart Scott, can't wait. We only got, what, four or five months left to go till
0: we uh, kick things off. Great. Well, I really appreciate you having me. You're great at what you do, Dave, and uh, it's, it's been great to be with you.
1: I appreciate all the time, man. Thanks so much. Thank you. What do you think, Spaghetti? Who do you agree with? Tannenbaum or Rosenthal? Rosenthal or Tannenbaum? Did the Steelers do right or wrong? You have to decide right now.
2: Well, I, again, back to the money thing, like I bring, yeah, of course, bring him in. It's $8 million. If it's even fully guaranteed, I'm not sure quite of the details. He's been a Steeler. He's a young guy. He's like, what, 24? You, you'd be dumb, to, especially if you lost him to a rival team. Even if he had a mediocre season with the Ravens, anytime he's playing the Steelers, you see him catch a couple of footballs, you're going to be sick to your stomach. You have to bring him back in. And I as much uh as i like to give you hate and, and mock the steelers your point about what else could the steelers do our quarterback makes all the sense in the world and yes of course you bring back juju
1: i but i also think my point i agree with me when i when when uh when dave says that um it would wouldn't just be upsetting because you like the steelers it would i practically it would be that would be the end of it if juju was on the ravens the ravens would be on paper that figure being taken off of the Steelers and added to the Ravens would be enough for me to think, yeah, the Ravens are definitely better. That's going to punch that offense up and it's going to diminish the Steelers. But anyway, all right. Great stuff from Tannenbaum. And by the way, great stuff from Rosenthal, too. But now it's time to put the pro football talk on the shelf and take down some hot puck talk. It's time for the Mass Mutual East Division deep dive. It's time for... Spaghetti and meatballs.
2: What's up? Another edition of Spaghetti and Meatballs. Eddie Spaghetti here with Mikey Meatballs wearing another great hockey jersey don't worry twitter i will post a picture so you can see it meatballs what what are you wearing right now what is this
4: uh so it's the same one as last week it's actually one of my more obscure ones it's a uh, san jose sharks uh it's called the open water promo okay um, i think they wore it during warm-ups once or twice so it's i don't know if it's rare or not but it is definitely obscure
2: I got to mention, and I'm sure any hockey fans have, have seen it, and they've seen it for quite a number of years, but with St. Patty's Day just passing, was uh, I know you're already nodding your head, the Toronto Maple Leafs, the St. Patrick's Day, the green, the green and white jerseys they had, Oh boy, those are those are something else. Not that I want to get a Maple Leafs uh, sweater, but just to wear that on like at least one day a year, you know, yeah. the second week of March when you celebrate the holiday, that'd be awesome. But that's an awesome sweater I gotta get. But yeah, another great job by you. That that one it looks like SeaWorld the uh, kind of like thing going it's, on in the front. There. I don't
4: know. It's a shark on near some sort of bridge. I don't know. I'm <laughs> assuming in San Jose somewhere. I don't yeah. know. <laughs>
2: All right. Well, uh, we have some coves up to get to. So let's start up here with our third star of the week. More unfortunate COVID news, but maybe light at the end of the tunnel here with the Boston Bruins. They have not played since Friday. They were in quarantine, had a few games removed from the schedule. And if all things go well with the five players that have still been on the COVID protocol list, they could start practicing Wednesday and they have a game Thursday versus your Islanders meatballs. And it'll be their first game with fans in Boston. So the five players, just so everyone listening knows, that was Sean Corrali, Jake DeBrus, David Krejci, Pasternak, and Craig Smith were added to the list um, after the games, uh, before the games. Sorry, on Saturday versus the Sabers. So those guys are coming back before that game here. And the interesting part about this is the uh, the, the Bruins are in fourth place in the East Division right now two points in front of the Flyers, four points ahead of my Rangers. I can't ima- – I mean, we're not on this team. We don't know how these situations work out. They can't practice. They can't do really much of anything. But being only you know, that slim lead versus those two teams and you have to just halt your season completely, it's got to be a little bit frustrating too. And also to mention, they were the, the favorite for quite some time in the East to win the Stanley Cup. Their odds, I think I, – I got them in our, our futures draft. I think it was around – eight or nine hundred they dropped all the way now down to they're at plus 1400 with your islanders ahead at plus 1300 so it's a weird shaky time here for the bruins they got to get back on track they got to stay healthy first of all but yeah it's a weird stretch here for them because that's a team that a lot of people had high hopes for
4: if i'm a bruins fan i don't know if i'm necessarily too worried uh okay i I don't think i'd be worried about the flyers actually I, i think i'd be more worried about the rangers coming up to play them I don't know, maybe it helps them with a the few days off. I know it helped the Islanders when they had their, their little break, but uh, hey, it right. gives the Islanders some rest too. So that's that might not be a great thing coming into Thursday's game.
2: Right. The two. I mean, two great points by your first one. Obviously, the Rangers matter more right now than the Flyers. I think the Rangers broke the Flyers. who are only four points behind the four spot. But, uh, yeah, to your point about the break – I would like to see the trend around the league, the teams that had to deal with this, how they responded to the break. Is it a good thing or is it a bad thing? Do you want to stay hot if you're winning games? Do you want to keep playing? Or do you need a couple of days off? Obviously, like I said, health matters the most. If these guys are sick with it, you obviously want everyone to stay as healthy as possible um, and hopefully it doesn't affect them long-term because you don't want to get into like Amika Zibinejad scenario where he dropped like 20 pounds and now he's finally putting the weight back on mid-season which is unheard of for guys during the season playing sports to to gain the weight back and he but he's finally getting back to his normal playing weight and he's playing better you just Mm -hmm. don't want to see that for any other teams even if they are you know rivals to to us in this division when everyone healthy and have you know this division is dominant wanted to stay that way
4: yeah no so just for my third star it's got a little bit of covid in it too um Mm -hmm dobson actually had to come out of the lineup right before the game a few weeks ago and he was replaced <laughs> by the other sebastian aho who was on the islanders yeah. um but aho came out of the lineup and Sickey, just quick shout out to him because he played his first game in over 700 days and he notched two assists so so for a guy um who's had to deal with a lot in the past few years it's good to see for him moving on to the second star of the week <laughs> Like I just mentioned,
2: still some COVID stuff. This one with the Rangers, David Quinn, head coach, still out. Brett Howden missed the game last night versus the Sabres because of it as well. Phil Di- Giuseppe also out on the COVID protocol list. The Rangers did win this game, though, and it is the Sabres' 14th straight loss. The Rangers also covered. I know we we're pushing that on minus three, Rangers minus minus. One-and-a-half goals here. Shaggy starts to the third. Sabres tied it up 3-3 after it seemed like the game was over. Luckily, Chris Kreider got the goal right back, went ahead 4-3, Cabo Caco, empty net goal 5-3, Rangers win and cover. And it's just, uh, I, I mean, many ways to look at this one. Awful, awful stretch for the Sabres here. And they're going to be a team that's, Strangely involved in the trading deadline that will affect the outcome of the Stanley Cup playoffs, which we can get mm-hmm. to probably at a later day with the deadline approaching. So that's one thing to look at. So number two, the team obviously is just I think they're deflated. And yesterday I thought would have been a bad trap game for the Rangers, especially with a couple of decent teams on the schedule coming up next. And they're starting a backup goalie. But yeah, you could see at points that just they're not really they just get there's a barrage of shots in the second period. And just it seems like the Sabres are not trying. And then to bring this back to the Rangers, the negative news, obviously, of the COVID stuff. And we're we're not sure how long this will last with David Quinn still being out, how in GW, like I said. But the good news is Vitali Kravtsov coming over from the KHL has cleared his COVID protocol and is joining the team. He's skating today with them, but will join them when they officially practice. I believe tomorrow, so we're recording this on a Tuesday morning. So, tomorrow, Wednesday, they will skate with the team officially, and he'll add some more firepower on the wing for the Rangers. So, not all negative COVID news. Uh, uh, Cross size was a little bit of positivity because he cleared it. But yeah, it's still affecting every single team. And uh, I know, uh, Meatballs, you wanted to talk a little about the Sabres as well, just a, a weird stretch of them.
4: Yeah, the Sabres um, 14 in a row, right? Mm-hmm. That they dropped, uh, it's kind of similar to the Rockets losing twenty in a row. But yeah. the Rockets, uh, it's also similar to Harry losing what like Thir- over thirty something bets, yeah. bets in a row, over thirty, over thirty bets in a row. But I don't know, the Rockets snapped their streak, so maybe it's in the future for uh, for the Sabers. But good news was Jeff Skinner scored a goal yesterday against your. I Rangers. know,
2: I know, and I, I was so I, that was a weird stretch too because Kincaid was making awesome saves, and then like. A weird one got through and then Skinner scored. And I'm like, oh, here we go. This is it. They're going to lose this game. We're pushing out this bad. They're going to lose it. We're going to feel like such idiots. Uh, luckily, they came back. But like I said, there's stretches where they have a little bit of team energy, a little life, the yeah, Sabers, And there's other exactly. parts where it's like they're not really trying, which is like weird to compare it to the, the Rockets losing 20 in a row. It's like the NBA is known for tanking. Right. And you could argue that if it actually exists in sports. But I think me and you would both agree. You're not really tanking in hockey, but what you could, you could have is you could have a very lackluster, low morale locker room. And that is probably what's going on right now. Like we've said before, the GM just naming players, uh, by their name saying that we could trade them, the coach getting fired. And then just once the, you know, team goes up on you two, three goals, like they're losing these games. Like there's, there's no drive left.
4: Yeah. And I think they, they already started, um, shipping off some guys. I think Johansson, uh, he got traded the other day. Mm -hmm. Um, which a reporter did comment saying, "Johansu is the worst goal he's ever seen in practice." So um, I don't know. It's, it's a mess right now. For it's them. a real they mess. Had, they Hutton got hurt yesterday. I think Allmark's back, but the guy Tukarski who came in who has like I think he has less than thirty career starts. So right. Yep. It's yep. uh, it's not a good look for them right now.
2: No, and I'm just happy that uh, the the FanDuel.com slash minus three Rangers minus one and a half bet worked out for everyone that took part in that and that my Rangers did get the two points and they're inching closer to the uh, the Bruins spot there. But let's move on to our first star of the week. All right, meatballs. we will have a little bit of fun. In this one uh, shout out to the um, NHL.com staff. They do a fun trophy tracker thing and they do it by division. So obviously we focus on the mass mutual East and I'm not going to spend too much time on the heart. Uh, they do have Brad Marchand who's up there. and I know they've been dealing with a lot of stuff lately, injuries and whatnot. The guys on the COVID protocol list. And uh, they have him, but we'll, we know that Conor McDavid's going to win that one.
4: I have uh, Patty we, Kane uh, in the future. Oh, stress, that's right. That's, right, that's, I that's rooting, right. I am rooting that's, for Patty Kane.
2: Yeah, that's fine. You can root for all you want, but I hate to break the news to you. I don't think that's going to change. Yeah, McDavid's
4: uh, th- minus two ten right now.
2: The Calder as well. I think the the, the Calder is just, it's not going to go. They have Ty Smith in the Devils. I don't think it's going to go to him. The, your your guy, Oliver Walsham, is on this list as well. Conjure Miller has a couple of votes. But I, I don't think the Calder is going to be won by someone in this division. The two, though, that I think could play a factor their way the rest of the season, the veznes Semyon Varlamov, Islanders goaltender, and then Norris Trophy, Charlie McAvoy, is the leader for NHL.com's Trophy Tracker, the defenseman on the Bruins. I will say that while these guys may not be the current front runners on Fanduel right now, McAvoy being a great defensive for the Bruins, especially losing Krug, losing Char in the off season, um, and then Semyon his st- I mean he leads pretty much every stat in in the East. So those are two pretty good options there. Those do you like any of those guys uh, going forward to actually win this award, not just on this list, but in you know in, in general?
4: McAvoy. Uh, maybe, I mean, I think, uh, I don't know. It's tough to say. I don't know about McAvoy and Varlamov too. I almost think I have him in the future draft to win, Mm -hmm. but I think he's almost getting hurt because Sorokin is playing so well right now. Right. And actually Sorokin has, he's now on eight in a row. Um, he's 23 to one for Calder, which I, like we said, I don't, I don't know if that's going to happen, but yeah, I don't think so. Um, he Sorokin's making himself a I know he I don't think he's on the odds of this, but he, he I don't, I'm not saying he's going to be a Vezina uh finalist or winner would go to Varlamov but you know Sorokin is is playing himself into um you know a, a 50-50 split with Varlamov the way he's playing right now. I think he's actually ahead in terms of some stats uh as well. I think um his GAA I think is ahead of Varlamov's right now.
2: Well, the the great people at FanDuel have some of the odds up for the Vesna, and uh, so if you head to FanDuel.com dot com slash minus three, the the top three guys right now for Vesna are Vasilevsky. He's the favorite. He's plus one hundred five. Then we have Flower Mark Andre Fleury, plus plus two hundred fifty. He right on the mm-hmm. second spot, and then your guy, Sanyan Marlamov, at plus four hundred forty. It's a three man race. It seems like right now everyone else's uh, odds are a little bit. Um, lower than that, and then we have for the Norris Trophy, McAvoy's in third league wide with at plus six hundred. Um, he is tied with uh, Drew Dowdy, uh and then Victor Hedman's the leader right now, minus one seventy, mm-hmm. and Cal bet plus plus four fifty. So looks like right now, Fanduel is, you know, they're they're saying that these guys are part of the race, McAvoy and Semyon Varlamov. So I mean, if you if you were going to place a bet on one of these two guys. And I kind of, I agree with you, what you're saying about McAvoy. You don't think he'll be in the long term. I think it's not even about even his like stats. It's just the fact that the Bruins have been depleted he's to the blue line, and he's replacing it. And he's just, he's putting the yeah. team on his back. He's pulling a lot of weight. And I think, yeah, no, people I, you, are you could definitely that. make
4: a case for it. I don't think there's anything against it. And uh, I think for Varlamov, I think down the stretch, when these games get a little more crowded and they're playing a little bit more, I think if he really does carry the Islanders to a few extra wins, uh, and he's getting more of the share than Sorokin, I think there will be a serious case made for him.
2: So you think to wrap it up, you think that when we get closer to crunch time and yeah. you know, worried about yeah, seeding, it's just going
4: to be all, all of our llama? I, I think if you bet it now, plus 440, hmm. you're betting on him to be the, I don't know, uh, to get more of the timeshare towards the end of the season. And he yeah. he'll if he steals a couple of games for the Islanders, I think that's where that bet will come to play. No, I mean,
2: that that makes sense. So you hear that Islanders fans right now, fandom.com slash minus three, make that bet. Meatballs guaranteeing a varlamov Vesna victory as he takes over. The, no, I'm joking, but seriously, those are I think those are really smart bets to make. There.
1: All right, good times. There, spaghetti and meatballs. Great stuff from you guys. Great stuff once again from Greg Rosenthal from around the NFL. Make sure you're downloading that, and uh, as well as the Jeselnik and Rosenthal Vanity Project. Mike Tannenbaum, you see him on Get Up and otherwise on ESPN and 33rd team is how you track down his uh, really interesting think tank with fellow GMs and head coaches and otherwise make sure you're checking that one out and uh, while you're at it make sure you're checking out minus three on the regular which is to say download subscribe share with friends we appreciate you doing all that and uh, until a couple days from now when Kevin Hench comes in here to insult everybody in his path Um, For Eddie Spaghetti, thanks so much, sports fans. It's been a thin slice of heaven.